Perfect timing. So as I was saying about the Lakers, we're done with that conversation now. I'm glad that we wrapped that up. You know what I'm saying? Early in the show. So, please. Oh, right. So we somehow got muted for 10 straight minutes talking about the Lakers, which I'm pretty sure 99.9% of the audience uh, would appreciate. I'm Izzy Gutierrez. That's Clinton Yates. That's June Lee. This is Debatable, brought to you by Corona which I believe now we've decided that it was chosen because of the yellow background and my beach background. So on behalf of Charlie and myself, you're welcome. Well done. That's a, good, that's a good read right there. If only yeah. we all had like a lime to put in our mouths right now. Sure. <laughs> that's a good bit for next I'll time. I'll say hi to Bad Bunny for you guys. And for those who don't get the ICJ <laughs> reference, it's I-C-J. And I'm pretty sure that's why they moved the boxes around so that people wouldn't get confused oh. before it was C-I-J. Island boys. That's our I didn't know that that was ice. That's what that meant. Yeah. 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 Charlie's ahead of the game. All right, Charlie, what are we starting with? Wait a second. <laughs> oh, man. Mm. Do the Lakers wear um, debatable slash Corona gold? Is that the color? Is that what we're going to call it? <laughs> yeah, that, that is what, I guess what call we're calling it. it. That is what we should call uh, it. Debatable so, gold. <laughs> Lakers were down by as many as, I believe, 37 last night so the Luka Mavs um, without LeBron James of course without uh, Anthony Davis and they are sitting outside of the play-in tournament currently and you know let it be known that uh, Greg Popovich owns LeBron James right and so <laughs> if he keeps them out of the play-in tournament one more notch on the Greg Popovich belt but all right so I know people are tired of the the Lakers conversation and the idea of shutting it down to some people doesn't really mean a whole heck of a lot because they don't think they're going to get Anthony Davis for the rest of the regular season anyway and while you know we love LeBron's exploits at this point in his career not exactly making us you know turn the TV on unless we're sure he's going to get 50 or more so Shutting down is something that I'm not a huge fan of, especially when you've got LeBron having to play, I think, one or two more games to get uh, enough to qualify for the scoring title, which would be a huge notch in his belt, right? Um, and, you know, I think you give up on a lot of things. If you are play, if you are, have a chance to get into the play-in, which obviously gives you a chance to get in the playoffs, you don't just give up on it. You don't just uh, punt it just because you're on the outside looking in with a few games left. So it's hard to say that they should punt this. Um, especially when you look at uh, Chris Haynes on Yahoo saying that Anthony Davis is targeting a return for Friday, which I think caught a lot of people by surprise. He'd been sort of ramping up his on-court stuff, but they were really quiet about it so far. So I don't think shut it down. I think they got to get really, you got to hunker down and really win a game or two and try to get in that play-in because it's the ultimate embarrassment to finish 11th and not even in the contest at all. June, I'll let you go first. This is my home account and I have quite a bit to say. <laughs> I mean, this has gone like I was not someone who who believes in the Lakers this season, especially because I thought they just gave up too much for Russell Westbrook, and I thought that Russ was just over the hill and wasn't in a position to take on the load that was required of him. And I think they they in theory they brought in Russ to take off some of the load off of LeBron, and, and it's kind of happened been the opposite where LeBron has had to take on way more as a result of Russ struggling, and you know. It, it's one of those things where, I mean, I don't think that anyone anyone could have predicted that it was going to go this bad. Um, but I think it's too embarrassing for LeBron at this point to completely wave a white flag on the season, especially given the fact that this was the team that he really pushed the front office to construct. And, you know, it seems like he's carrying a lot of that load, especially just given the fact that he's leading for the scoring title. And it's pretty remarkable that he's doing it at this age. But... 
basketball, like as, as much as we want, you know, we've talked about LeBron being a guy who can turn any team into a championship contender. We've now reached the point in his career and we've talked about, um, you know, he's mentioned his just injuries over the course of the season as well, where LeBron can't do that anymore. He really does need Anthony Davis. And they're now in a position where it's not just about this season. You have to talk, think about just long-term. The Lakers just don't have any draft capital. Like AD is a guy where you've invested so much financial capital and draft capital in him. And now it's like, what's going to happen with this team? Especially because they got rid of any resemblance of depth that they had with the organization from guys that they drafted between Caruso and Kuzma right. as well. So, well, Clinton, the question to me is, is this a victory for the Lakers if they make a play in? And I'm going to let you go on your rant, <laughs> but is that something that they're still oh. looking at as, some, as an accomplishment? To answer your question, absolutely not, for two different reasons. Number one is that they should not be in the play-in discussion at all because two teams that are that far away from the next teams should not be involved. You can't just theoretically call them the 10 seed when the 10 seed comparatively to the one, never mind comparatively to the rest of the other teams in the other conference, is just that bad. They should not be in this position from a structural standpoint as far as the schedule is concerned, number one. Number two, June's point about the future is exactly what answers this question, which is why a month ago I said they should shut this down. You do not have the flexibility to try a bunch of things in the offseason the same way. If you had that flexibility, you might have listened to LeBron James another month ago when the trade deadline happened and said, this isn't going to work, let's do something. They can't. As a result, because you were dealing with the physical capital of two of your most important players, LeBron and AD, yes, you shut it down. Because next season, you will be running it back most likely unless you blow it entirely up, which is a completely different concept of where you are now. So to that point, yes, you shut it down, okay? You're not going to be going farther than, I don't even know, the first round at best. Because, hello, the team you lost to last season has gotten better in the playoffs and in general. I just don't think that if you're looking at this holistically and realistically, something Lakers fans never do, that you can say <laughs> that this is something to do. That's the issue, is that Lakers fans, Lakers front office, Lakers, Laker nation seems to believe if we're in it, we have a shot. That's not true. And that the interesting is the reality counterpoint, that they don't Counterpoint, counterpoint, counterpoint. <laughs> With Anthony Davis arriving on Friday, potentially, theoretically, or allegedly, uh, reportedly. I don't know whatever word you want to throw out there. Um, and, you know, the New Orleans Pelicans, you know, maybe the Spurs or the New Orleans Pelicans probably, and then possibly who's seven or eight right now. So you're talking about uh, Minnesota or the Clippers, okay? Let's just say they can win one of both of those games, right? The 9-10 and then the seven, and then the win loser of seven. When's eight. the last time the Lakers won two games? And they face... But, well, when's the last time they played two in a row with Anthony Davis? Okay, so against, against you know, a nine and ten seed quality team. And then, nah, God, I'm going to sound like Jacoby here in a second. And then they <laughs> face the, the Phoenix Suns. And they win a game against the a game against the Suns, okay? And feel good about it? Like, that at least carries them into some sort of good feelings on next year. Hey, let's tweak. Let's keep, you know, Anthony Davis in a bubble. And let's just make sure we get to the end of the season healthy with some, you know, some more shooters around us, maybe a little bit more youth, uh, some sort of, you know, inexpensive talent. Let's Name just say. The that, to me, is a way better in it, ending to the season than but shutting it down, waving a white flag, theory. and just cowering into a hole. Name me the moves. We're not playing fantasy basketball here. 
Tell me what you're going to do to make this team better. If the object is championship or bust, define bust because that's. But when you're talking about when you're talking about like what I was saying, like minimum players or just you know sort of things that gems in the you know in the rough there, you don't really see them right now. Like you plan on that in the off season, but right now the ending is what you're planning on, and so that to me I do think is is you know something to play for. What do we got, Charlie? So I have I have a I'll let you guys choose your own adventure. Do you want me to ask you a follow-up question first, or first should we make fun of some of LeBron's old tweets that can be freezing cold takes and provide an answer <laughs> to one of your questions, Clinton? I'm not. I mean, let's go tweets first. Sure. Okay, tweet first, first one. Let's look at the tweet. Let's look back at this tweet from uh, Le GM LeBron James from August about his <laughs> squad, if we may. <sighs> this one says, "Keep talking about my squad, our personnel's ages, the way he plays, he stays injured, etc., cetera, etc." Cetera. Keep that same narrative energy when it begins. That's all I ask. Hashtag thank you. <laughs> He's Not almost like gaslighted. Like but secondly, to answer your cl- question, Clinton, the last time the Lakers won two in a row was January 4th and January 7th. Oh, my God. But since then, LeBron has tweeted this. Laker Nation, I apologize. <laughs> I promise we'll be better. Since this oh, tweet, though, no. they have gone ten and twenty-two and have not won two in a row since. So the fairy tale of them mm. running through the play-in and then knocking out the Suns is probably just that—a fairy tale because they're it's old. It's just so sad. Well, the, the knocking out of the Suns part, but the fact that they can run through the play-in being a fairy tale is the saddest part. What's up, June? I so one of the things that I've thought about with this Lakers team specifically is the kind of the the arc of the conversation that's happened around them because. At the beginning of the year, there was a lot of, like, should Frank Vogel get fired? Like, 20 games in the season, all the Lakers fans were on Twitter getting angry at Frank Vogel. Oh, he can't coach these guys. Like, he's not maximizing Russell Westbrook. And then it started to shift towards Russ. And now it's shifting towards AD. At what point do we have to point the finger at LeBron and be like, it's LeBron's fault. I mean, he's How is it LeBron's fault? He's the best player on the team. Explain to me how this is but LeBron's it's, fault. It's, it's LeBron's fault in that he pushed for Russell Westbrook to be the guy that they traded for, and now they have a $40 million albatross on that salary that's made it completely inflexible for this team to do anything in building forward. You know, it, it's obviously like he wanted to play with Russell Westbrook, and he's obviously wanted to play with AD. He's, he's shaped that core of that team. But now Russell Westbrook being on this team is a massive financial impediment for them being able to do anything in terms of maximizing AD and LeBron's prime right now. Is it LeBron's fault they traded all their best players after they won the championship? Is it LeBron's fault that they unloaded the, the roster yet again after last season? No. LeBron made a move that he thought made sense. And you know what else LeBron did? At the trade deadline, pointed out that he thought more moves should be made. He at least gave but, it But the a reason rip. why... But the reason why more moves couldn't be made was because you have Russell Westbrook's salary on that team. There's no flexibility when you bring in $40 million and Russell Westbrook is not even like remotely close to an all-NBA player. He should be a guy who's coming off the bench and could, should be a sixth man right now. So at the best. Me, at the those, best. You're telling me LeBron's bigger than the Lakers? Hmm. So I mean, otherwise, who, what are we um, talking about why here? we have to talk about the, the Lakers the all the time. This is why. This is why, because even these Lakers can get this type of aggravation out of people who talk about this stuff all the time. What's up, Charlotte? Every single day, and it's still amazing to me. What what an amazing story. Um, To June's point, 
they have zero flexibility because they traded all those role players for Westbrook and they have $148 million on the cap for next season. And no one's going to take what, I mean, I shouldn't say no one because people have been traded in the past. It'll be very hard to trade Westbrook's contract. My question is, and I have a real question about this since Windhorse brought this up about a month ago, that this is something the Lakers could be interested in. Why not blow the whole thing up this summer? Why not trade an Anthony Davis? Why not even consider trading LeBron James? You know that this core with this salary distribution is probably yeah. not going to be a healthy <clears throat> team, even if you believe they're going to be a good team. And if you believe they're going to be a good team, there's no evidence to support that. Why not if blow it Rob up? P- if you're Rob Palenka and you're in a position where you've got Anthony Davis, who you don't know is going to be healthy moving forward, LeBron James, who is you know still LeBron but is going to be old, and then you have this Russell Westbrook contract, like if you're thinking about what's best – for the future of the franchise long-term for the next decade, it's probably getting rid of some of those guys and getting some of that draft capital back. Of course it is. But that requires a little something that a lot of NBA teams are very short on, which is organizational accountability. That is the problem. This would be one thing if LeBron had just popped into town and this didn't work. That's not what happened. He saved the actual franchise. Let us not forget where they were before he arrived. So you can't just send him out on a rail and be like, oh, no thanks. You didn't fit in with Laker Nation. Laker Nation was as bad as it had ever been before LeBron James showed up. So out of reasonable human understanding, it's difficult to do that. I'm not saying that you shouldn't. I'm saying that ultimately, to me, this comes down to the team. LeBron did what he was supposed to do. Just because it hasn't worked out this particular season as a result of an injury to a player who should have been the MVP of the team in order for them to be good, I don't think it's fair to blame on LeBron, man. He's the best player on the team. Yeah. He's done everything he can. You guys been watching Winning Time yeah, on man. HBO it's Max? Yeah, good, man. Episode four was the best one. I have so, not. Yeah. All right. So not that it's, you know, factually exact, right? But the idea of how flimsy, like, a front office can be. Now, I get this was, like, 1979, whatever. Sure. But how flimsy this, a front office can be and, like, what those Lakers were built on. And now it's being handled pretty poorly. And I just can't imagine that there's like a lot of secure ground over there. I just can't imagine there's a lot of trust over there. And if you do blow it up, like you are essentially taking, honestly, this might be a good thing. You are taking control back of your organization. You're saying, all right, this is going to be on me. I, or whether it's Genie, whether it's Palinka, it's going to be on me. I'm going to sort of rebuild here, replenish the farm system, if you will. We got our championship. We're not just going to be sitting on pins and needles going forward and hoping LeBron likes the right guy for the next couple of years that we bring on and can win a championship. So I do, I do believe that that is probably a way for them to do that. But I also don't have a whole lot of faith in that organization doing that the right way, especially when there's that fan pressure, which is unlike many most of the other places in the league i was going to say any other place but unlike mostly every other place in the league so it's quite quite the uh decision to be made there and it's also curious as to who would still be willing and more people would be willing to have a chance on anthony davis probably hoping that the injury thing is just luck um who is willing to give up their entire farm for another year or two of lebron james and possibly Bronny? i don't know i can tell you for a fact that most lakers fans would rather deal anthony davis than anybody because they simply don't believe in his ability to stay on the court yeah. All right. Well, what else do we got, Charlie? One thing I will note, and this is just, you know, going to just make it. Hot take incoming. And... No, it's going to make Izzy feel very warm and tingly. His beloved Miami Heat were a uh, robust 15 and 67 before they got saved by LeBron. And uh, they have they have done just fine in the post-LeBron era. 
Um, but I digress. Former Laker Riley running their operation. It's called Backbone and Fortitude. Because you you can't grant LeBron the exceptional power of having like influence that much influence on player personnel decisions, and then not at least shift some of the blame there when it goes extremely poorly. Adrian Brody as Pat Riley, initially didn't like it. Probably because I was watching Peaky Blinders recently, and I remember him as like this Italian uh, mafia guy. But now, after watching it a little bit and seeing some of the ads, what a great casting! Absolutely <laughs> nailed it. I froze there, so I have no response. All good. We will move on. We're we're gonna <laughs> go on to, to uh, some actual good basketball teams and good basketball players. And our question is: Did Giannis convince you last night that he should be the MVP? Woo. So Giannis had like 40, I don't even know how many rebounds. He had 14, something like that. Um, late comeback win against the Sixers. Blocked Embiid's shot down. Uh, would have tied the game in the final seconds after it was reviewed. And then they officially called it a block instead of a goaltend. And this has been a pretty tight MVP race over the last couple of months. It was sort of Jokic at the top, Embiid coming up and taking the lead. And now we got Giannis coming in from the third position and seemingly, in my opinion, taking the lead. Like, if you want to look at some of the numbers, the advanced numbers, they're, they're like, Joel Embiid is pretty much third in all of those numbers. Um, then you, So basically, the case for Embiid, when you hear guys like James Harden say he deserves the MVP, or you hear other guys saying, oh, well, the defense. And there's actually this great clip of Drew Hanlon. Do you know Drew Hanlon? He's an NBA trainer. He trains a lot of the elite NBA guys like Jason yeah. Tatum. Yeah, Bradley of course. He's got this one clip of uh, Nikola Jokic. And he says, uh, look at all these assists that they give Jokic. And it's like three or four dribbles after the pass. And it's a layup. <laughs> and it's like, oh, that was an assist. And so I think in the end, Jokic might fall and not get that second one. I think this last week or so, he might lose some momentum here. But... Giannis seems to be going and grabbing it and like there's no it doesn't seem like there's any excuse to not give it to Giannis because he is like we've basically seen him in third place all this time or maybe fourth and now like he might be in the lead and I don't see a reason not to give it to him I want I want to channel my inner alabaster with some with some with some props here this is the Giannis shot chart from 2020 2021 he has added in a mid-range game since then. <laughs> Look at this. Wow, there's that more has, dots on that one. That has taken Giannis <laughs> to another level that I think well, we haven't appreciated enough over the course of this season. Is that Kirk Goldsberry? Yes. I mean, his, his yeah. mid-range game this year, he's now hitting like 47, 48% of those shots. It's opened up the rest of that Bucks offense. And the argument around Jokic for so much of this year has been, what happens if you take Jokic off that Nuggets team? They're probably a lottery team. I would flip that and ask the same question. If you take Giannis off the Bucks, what is that team? A Chris Milton, Drew Holiday-led team? They're not remotely close to being a championship contender without Giannis Antetokounmpo. And on top of all of that, like we've seen, we've seen Holiday, I think, turn it up defensively a little bit more over the course of the last couple of weeks. And Milton's been a little bit up and down throughout the course of this year, as he no, temp, normally tends to be throughout the course of a regular season. We are not appreciating Giannis, Giannis enough because it's gotten boring to appreciate how great Giannis is. I think that there's, you know, this happened with LeBron James. Especially oh, you can blame Dominique Foxworth. He just says Giannis is big. He's got nothing else to say about Giannis other than he big, which is crazy. Like, it's, 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 it's easy to write off the fact that, like, watching Giannis on a night-to-night basis is, like, 
It's it's like we, he does so many incredible things that we're, that we're so used to at this point. But we have to continue to appreciate the fact that like this guy is a generational talent. And if you look at all of the guys across the NBA that could potentially break the points record one day, Giannis is the only guy among the young guys who could feasibly in some way do it barring health and his ability. And I think we just take for granted way too much that Giannis is a generational talent that does stuff we've never seen on a basketball court on a night-to-night basis. And he's continuing to get better every single year right now. He also does stuff in the post-game podium that's never been done before, and I'm not a huge fan. I don't know if you've been watching lately, but he's been doing a lot of dad jokes. And he's coming up with, like, this last one, he came up with a book. With a book, a list of dad jokes. And the one he chose is just awful. Something about, oh, what do you call a, a... a cow that fell down, a ground beef. And it's just like, mm, like mm, not very good. But I did, here was, uh, here was, I talked to Doc Rivers, or we talked to Doc Rivers uh, before game uh, last week or two weeks ago, I can't remember. But basically asked him, hey, why is Joel, Joel the MVP? And he said, uh, effectively, that nobody has been through the things that the Sixers have gone through this season, whether it be, you know, the personnel move, all the Ben Simmons stuff, and, you know, I'll give him that as, as part of an argument, right? But it can't be the meat of your argument. And then he, you know, drops the other line and says, uh, well, also the other end of the floor, which defense matters, which is pretty much a shot at Jokic, but it doesn't take <laughs> out Giannis in, th- in that conversation. And so to me, like, it's unfortunate because he's had two years where on a lot of years he could win MVP and is an MVP deserving player, first team all NBA, et cetera. But, but I think he's second, maybe even third in this. And I don't think Doc's argument necessarily holds up. And I know Clinton's been jumping around on the screen a little bit. So I'm going to take a chance and see if he's good to go here. Clinton. I knew I was wrong. All right. Three <laughs> June. Is... Seconds. Oh. June, go ahead. Uh, give, give me your thoughts on that. Is that a... Is that a, is that a good enough argument for you? Oh. <laughs> You look at the stats right now from just the, tr- the, traditional, the traditional stats to the advanced ones, and Embiid ranks third compared to Jokic and Giannis, uh, Jokic and Giannis in most of them. Um, I, I think it's funny that we've probably been reevaluating the, the number of Jokic assists. And, you know, when you look at the advanced stats, like, like I did on NBA.com this morning, you know, the margin between Jokic and Giannis on a lot of these advanced stats are pretty small, although Jokic tends to lead by a tick on most of them. And so the thing that I would turn to is the defense, and Giannis is Giannis, and Jokic is Jokic. And I think we all know what that means. Like, Giannis is one of the best defenders in the NBA. He can guard every single position. His arms are, you know, he's he's like Gumby out there in terms of the length of his arms. Like, he's able to be such a dynamic defender that in a way that, you know, makes everyone else on his team better. Uh, and so, you know, if, even when you look at all of the numbers and you don't even factor in the defensive stuff, like, it's a pretty tight argument. And then I think you throw in the defense, and for me at least, like, Giannis is the MVP. I don't care about the narrative being boring around Giannis. Giannis, you know, Giannis being great being something that we just expect on a year-to-year basis now. But I think you need to appreciate the fact that, like, he's as good as he is, and he's a generational talent again. I have a quick question about Gumby in particular, but I think Charlie has a more relevant question, so I'm going to go to him first. Oh, sorry. I was just going to say worth noting that uh, this is going to be counterintuitive because we have sort of roasted Jokic's defense in the past. He's actually graded out as a better defensive uh 
player than Joel Embiid this year and right in line with Giannis Antetokounmpo, which is shocking and shows sort of the flaws and how we evaluate defensive metrics. But he is much improved. It He's does. a much more yeah. than a much better than average is. defender at the center position at this point. He you can't I mean, with that body, you can't help but be some sort of an influence on defense <laughs> if you park yourself in the paint. I do have some questions there because, like, you talk about, like, they're in the same, Drew Hanlon threw these out there, like, on-off stats recently where Jokic, the team is better without him on the floor for a little bit. And so it's just like, ooh, what, I mean, what are, we, what are we really looking at here? And so my question is, is, like, it just feels like this overwhelming momentum for Embiid, whether it be, you know, because of the trade, whether it be James Harden talking him up, whether it be these announcers constantly talking him up um, and not really considering... Um, so, I mean, like, when I talk to Doc, not that it's his job to, to, you know, be aware of all the MVP race. I didn't even consider Giannis initially. thought it was still a two-man race. And then all of a sudden, I was like, oh, no, yeah, Giannis, too. He said, like, Giannis is like Michael now, where he just does things and you don't even recognize it. You sort of take it for granted, as we've been talking about. And so, yeah, I forgot what my initial point was there. But, uh, yeah, <laughs> I just, I don't think, I don't think the, uh, the advanced, oh, that's what it was. Do you think that all this narrative is going to overwhelm and they're not really, you know, voters aren't really going to focus in this last week or two on the way this race has changed a little bit? Yes. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's back, baby. Hi, guys. I returned. <laughs> Sorry. I think the answer to your question is yes. And that's all I was really going to say Good. is that the narrative has taken over and people think Embiid deserves it. And sure, maybe he does. But the definition of value is what the problem is with the NBA. And that's the fun part, so to speak. Yeah, I mean, we, we've seen this before where, like, the narrative often takes over. Like, I remember, you know, when Russell Westbrook was putting up a triple-double every single night, and it was the first time since Oscar Robinson, you know, when I personally thought that Harden was the MVP that year, like, the narrative won over there. And it was just like, you know, Russell Westbrook did this historic thing, and then it became way more normal to average a triple-double after he did multiple seasons after that. Like, I feel like we just, in general, take things so for granted it's easy to get used to remarkable things happening on a night-to-night basis. Um, and, you know, I, the narrative is ultimately, I think, probably going to do a lot in shaping this award, but I'm, I'm, I'm in Giannis's camp in terms of, you know, thinking that he is the MVP this year. Here's what I would be scared of if I'm Embiid. I get that MVP, then there's a whole lot of discussion Actually, no. He's going to get the MVP after the season, right? Okay, so here's what I'm afraid of if I'm Embiid. Rewind. Uh, I, I have a great end of the season. I get knocked out by the Brooklyn Nets in the first round and then go get that MVP trophy in late June. Oh, that's just going to, like, it's, it's worse than pulling a Nowitzki who had to, like, accept it, you know, second week of the playoffs from, like, a, you know, a podium in a, in a room where normally you accept it, you know, in front of a crowd. Right. Like, this is going to be after the season, after people have time to roast you, and you got to go get up on a stage and accept that MVP trophy. That would be the worst possible scenario for MB. Why do you have that image cut out, Alabaster? Like, why is that at the ready? You're ready it, for it drinks this. the tears. It's relevant every it's an single MB year. image. <laughs> It has been. It has sure. been every single year until it's not. All right, so Giannis MVP. What else do we got, Charlie? All right, guys, we will it's move on, decided. but I would re- be remiss to not mention the fact that, uh, as you talked about Giannis's improved jump shot, uh, June, that he's not just a better three-point shooter, but he's also a better mid-range shooter than Jimmy Butler this year. So <laughs> score one for Bucks culture. All right, last topic. Yep. Also, Giannis has improved at the free throw line, too, on top of that. He missed the free throw late in that game yesterday, which is the reason why the block mattered. Watch yourself. Jimmy Butler shooting a career high from the free throw line. 
Also, he's the one seed. <laughs> awesome. All right, let's move what on. What about Jason our, Tatum, though? Our sound bite that we have for you to listen to here will lead us to answering this question. Our question, how should Cooper Cup feel about Jalen Ramsey's top wide receiver list? Mm. My three number ones probably Devontae, Tyreek, and, um, and Debo. Wow. Ryan Clark is wearing there, by the way. Can we can we see that again? I need to see what color do we think that what do we call that color? My three number one is probably Devontae, Tyreek, and um Green. and Debo. Wow. Oh yeah, okay. Oh RC. wow. That's a cool that's a cool hoodie. It looks like it looks like matcha. It looks like like my matcha green tea ice cream that I had last Yeah, night. that's a good call. I follow this whole IG account where it only shows green foods. It's like this whole thing. Anyway. Um I, I think Cooper Cup should feel fine because Cooper Cup's whole deal is that people don't sweat Cooper Cup. Like, that's why he's such an incredible target. He won the Triple Crown last year, and, like, I, they won the Super Bowl. Who the hell cares what a DB on your team thinks if you've got those credentials anyway? Like, that's literally what Cooper Cup is about. Unassuming, gets the job done, best receiver you're probably not going to name. That's who he is. I, I also think when you look at this list, it's a lot of guys who are otherworldly athletic between Tyreek and Devontae Adams and Debo and also Adele. Like, if you watch the clip or listen to the clip a little bit more, uh, Jalen talk, Ramsey talks about how Odell does all this stuff in practice that he's never seen anyone else do. And it almost feels like when basketball players talk about do it in a game right well they almost they, it almost feels like when basketball players talk about Kyrie and Kobe and how amazing they are and right. what they can do on the basketball court right. but ultimately Jalen Ramsey gets a lot of blame for that Super Bowl if Cooper Cup doesn't go off on pre-event pre- defense and somehow you know zig and zag through everything in order to help lead the Rams to a Super Bowl so right. I would just look at that Super Bowl ring and be like, this doesn't happen without me. I don't need any more of your validation. For starters, um, matcha, wildly overrated. Like, get that out of my desserts of all time. Like, just never again out. It's just, I mean, it's a fine flavor. I don't need it in my desserts. I don't need it. Matcha ice cream is is one of the most underrated ice cream flavors and is my personal Mm -hmm. ice cream, favorite ice cream flavor. Nope, nope. I will eat pistachio, mint, any other green ice cream ahead of that, any other. Mint? Above matcha? matcha? Straight up mint. What kind of what is this? Is that? Yeah, come on. I mean, come on. Ask ask 16-year-old me to compare mint to matcha and I'd be like, what the hell is matcha? Like, come on. It's mint chocolate. I don't even like mint chocolate chip like that, but it's way better than matcha. Okay. Get out of here. Secondly, all right, I will leave. I will leave. I believe if you want me to. I will turn this ice cream truck around. Uh, right. <laughs> I will do this entire take with the back of my head. Um, no, I do think that, that Cooper should be wildly offended. Because if now the rest of the, the list, because like we don't have time for the rest of the clip, but he basically had Cooper in there, right, at four. And then he brought in Odell and then said, no, no, I'm going to move Odell ahead of Cooper and then drop Cooper to fifth. And I'm like, what? And I think I have a theory on this. It's like, the way they use Cooper, and as great as he is as a, as a route runner and where you can... Like, I don't think he's been able to have a game where he can say... Or actually, it would be a practice or whatever. Where he could say, hey, like, 
I can lock you up. I'm going to individually just, and I don't think he's gotten the opportunity to really see, I guess because it's weird, he's his own teammate, to really see how great Cooper Cup is. Because you can't, A, you can't have those, those stats without being absolutely tremendous. And as a route runner, he can make people look stupid. And so, I don't know, maybe, maybe it's because he's on the same team. I, I'm not sure. You know, Cooper's a guy that does a lot of things well for us. We like to use him in our 11 package. Multiples are something we do well. I'm Sean McVay. It's a terrible impression when you have to end it with yeah, the name man. of the person you're impersonating. I knew who you were doing. Funny. You could have just left it there. The way. whole joke is saying oh. at the end, I'm Sean McVeigh. Well, so this is a bad show. The other thing, who was it that said, was it you, June, <laughs> saying that these a uh, couple of these receivers are like great athletes? You, yeah, it was. They all are. They all are ridiculous world-class athletes. That They're all like elite level like are you saying there's a significant difference between say Odell's athleticism and Cooper Cup's athleticism I may jump in here I think what he's saying is that Cooper Cup is the product and I say this all the time about people people get mad when people say the folks are system players well if the system is good and you exceed at the highest level then Yo. you are a great player that is fine you know I, I mean? can't I can't get I can't get down with that like if you watch this dude run routes like it's amazing he like and this was like three years ago where I'm saying like good god this is nasty and so you Who's combine that with he's got some size for four seasons is me I understand how good what? this guy is in terms of what he produces. Mm. I just don't think that it looks the same way that other people think it should look. That's where I so disagree. I think I'm it not, does look that way. Okay. I'm not saying that Cooper Cup isn't athletic because he obviously is if you watch him on a football We're field. I'm just real saying. coded territory here, by the way. But go on. I, 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 I'm <laughs> tiptoeing here. But Tyreek Hill's got the speed that you don't see with anyone else. Can anyone make the catch that Odell Beckham made where he's diving back with one hand? Like, no. that is like, a, that is a generational catch. Yes. Yes, a lot of people can make that in practice. The other thing I'll say about Tyreek, between, between size, not having, not having much of it, and look, I'm just going to say it, questionable hands. Not the greatest hands for Tyreek Hill, okay? Sure. So that, you, you got to put all that into the equation, right? Like, there's a reason Tyreek Hill just doesn't have the triple crown. And he's, in, he's got the greatest quarterback out there in, you know, one of the greatest offenses out there. It happened to be Cooper Cup. And it's not a gimmick thing. Like, that dude is amazing right now. So I would I th- absolutely I think Cooper Cup the is the best three. receiver yeah, in the NFL. A, it's not a gimmick. It's just that it's a result of being on a very good team that knows how to use him correctly. And he maximizes that. That's not a diss at all. That is a compliment to everybody involved, not just Cooper. 100%. I think they have enough receivers that they could have put in that spot, whether it be a Robert Woods, whether it be uh, when they got him in Odell Beckham, that you could have said, oh, that person. No, I don't think those players would have had the same season that Cooper Cup did in that same scenario. That's why I can't just give it to the system. What do we got, Charlie? Uh, worth noting that um, Devontae Adams ran a four five six, so he's roughly the same speed as Cooper Cup, so the athleticism gap is not there. Also, Odell's catch seven years ago that guy is gone he's still a really good player but that hold on he was on his way to being the super bowl mvp before he got his leg rocked here bro i love how people say that that. like it's an absolute certainty he might have just had a good first half if he doesn't get hurt too like they do still have cooper cup and that is matthew stafford's security blanket so i'm pretty sure in a tight game it wouldn't have just been odell 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 and what, what clint uh, to your point clinton about what odell did it was fantastic but what cooper cup did in the Bucks game, and then down the stretch of the Super Bowl, you know, really bailed out Jalen you Ramsey and really ba- bailed out the Rams. Like he played at a different level than, than Odell's ever played at.
My fantasy football I, I team is full Cooper of Cup only really white great. dudes, and Cooper Cup is the reason why I only win games. Okay, I understand this man's value, and I believe him to be elite. I'm just saying I can understand what? why people look at him and say, you know what, there might be a better guy than him. I get that. Just, just to clarify, I think that Cooper Cup is the best receiver in the NFL. Mm, I think yeah. we all probably think that. Right. We're just trying to talk about why Jalen Ramsey may have said it this way. Mm, I don't know. I don't know if, uh, you know, two weeks down the road we're going to hear that the same way. I'm certainly Cooper Cup probably isn't hearing that the same way you're watching. Right, Cooper? What else do we have? <laughs> we have one more, don't we? Don't we have to talk about baseball at some point? I have time for this. Uh, nope, that's the show. No baseball. Yeah. Nationals, Technical difficulties on the top right there. New jerseys. You should be leaning more into the cherry blossom stuff and not this gunmetal big letter nonsense. More flowers. I'll wear I, it. I, I love the Nationals uniforms, but, like, go a little bit harder on the pink. Like, the pink would have been great. Thank you. We need more cherry um, blossoms. Not can we get less. that countdown a little bit faster? That was a great decision to not talk about this subject. Please, let's keep going. Six, five, four, three, two, one, confetti. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry about my technical Don't care. Cherry blossom uniform talk. Woo! Get those ratings up. It's a big deal in D.C. The Wizards It was a show. huge story yeah. yesterday. Not that cool. Uh, said it. Was Four letters. In D.C. Debatable. Is he speaking? Brought to you by, Brought to you by, by Corona. Brought to you by Corona.